You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. And welcome back to Real Presence Live. This has been great. So far, we've had, we had a great conversation right now, uh, or most recently with uh, Seven Sisters Apostolate, some wonderful ladies from Seven Sisters Apostolate. We are now leading into... Uh, a conversation with Stella Jeffrey, the parish, administ- parish mission administrator at Holy Spirit Catholic Church in Fargo. And we're going to be talking about conversion, right? So, Stella, yeah, thank you. Thank you for being on with us this morning. Hello, Just everyone. It's it, great to be here. awkward for you. <laughs> so, Stella, I know you've been on the radio before, but tell us a little bit about yourself. I was born in central North Dakota. Strasburg was my birthplace and then grew up in a rural parish just outside of Napoleon so my home parish is St. Boniface in Kintyre. Mm. Um, uh, after I graduated from high school, I went into the military and then started my school and more school and more mm. school and most mm-hmm. more school. And I just finished with my doctorate degree last May. Awesome. Congratulations on that. Thank you. I know that that was a, a long, arduous it was journey. A, a long, a long work, yes. Um, so today we want to talk uh, about that question of conversion. You know, so it's. Uh, I've worked with the RCIA process for the last twenty years in, at St. Mary's Cathedral, and um, you know, a lot of times I think we might think of conversion in terms of someone becoming Catholic. You know, and I, I suppose the the technical term for conversion would be someone going from not Christian to Christian, right? Mm-hmm. But but there's there's another meaning of conversion: this ongoing um, conforming our hearts to the Lord Jesus, right? So l- tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I basically think along the same lines that you have is that there is this initial give your life to Christ, right, and then the ongoing conversion that can happen. I had found something quite helpful maybe a couple years ago called the thresholds of conversion, and it helped me to see that there there is a way to sort of identify steps along the way even in pre-conversion, you know, that one doesn't just sort of say, oh, yeah. Jesus, that's the answer. And to be a Catholic, that's it too. I, I absolutely. Yep. It doesn't usually happen in one one conversation. Right. Right. And so they're they they move through a series of, of steps. They're very easy to remember. It's trust, curiosity, change, seeking, and then intentionality. Mm. You know? And it's pretty universally um, available. You if you looked up thresholds of conversion, you would see it being appropriated by various Christian faiths, but also the Catholic Church. The Archdiocese of Denver even went so far as to correlate it to the RCIA process. Mm, interesting. It is very our, interesting. Our former bishop, Archbishop Aquila now. Yes, Archbishop Aquila. Cool. Well, um, so, this I mean, it sounds like there's not a lot to unpack there with the stages of con- conversion. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody needs conversion. So this is this is an ongoing process. There are multiple steps, right? Can, so what is that? How can we experience conversion continuously? What is that? What's that all about? No. I, I would say if, if we're talking about someone who's practicing their Catholic faith, mm-hmm. and you're saying, "Hey, how do you deepen your faith?" Right, or that ongoing mm-hmm. conversion there. It's all in about just take out the word conversion and put in the word relationship. Hmm. What is your relationship to Jesus Christ? What is your relationship with the church? And so you would begin and increase your prayer time, right? 
do some self-reflection, like, hey, Lord, Holy Spirit, help me to see where there's distance between you and I, mm. right? And to seek out the sacraments, especially confession and going to Mass, um, the Council of Good Friends. Huh? <laughs> I'm feeling an inside joke on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I think the, the matter of counsel here, when she taps me, nice, it's like, yeah, nice. whatever. <laughs> well, so, you know, it's interesting. As you're talking... Um, one of the things I'm mindful of, between the three of us, we've been involved in the work of evangelization for a very long time. Yeah. And, and ultimately, conversion is going to be at the heart of it uh, yeah. because relationship, you know, exchange the word for conversion to relationship. In, in that sense, it makes complete sense. Um, but one of the things, like, as you were talking, Stella, I'm mindful of, and I think all, all of us may have run into this at one point or another, is in the work of evangelization, I have often run into people within the Catholic Church they hear the word evangelization or a reference to, you know, what's your, what's your, if you ask somebody, what's your relationship like with Jesus Christ? That sounds very Protestant, right? That's, it does, That's yes. what we've all been confronted with. And yet, really at the heart of conversion and a relationship with Jesus, well, since the Catholic Church was started by Jesus Christ himself, and I don't say this in any conceited way, but it's the only then, if we want to use the word denomination, that can actually make that claim then we can rightfully say, well, it started really at the heart of the church, you know, but um, to communicate that, you know, how would you communicate that, Stella? You know, to that, well, that I mean, once, once you see sort of a rejection of terminology, right, then you, and I'm saying rejection of terminology like conversion yeah, or evangelization, that? right, yeah. these, or um, charisms or these sort of supercharged words that, there's really no other way to talk about evangelization aside from just say evangelization. Right? Yeah. This is straight out of the scriptures. But if you see that, you, you step back and put it in the language that people might be comfortable with. Relationship is a, a place to be comfortable. Yeah. A, friend and my, my, a friend and myself were going through the street fair this last weekend. Sure. Yeah. And we just set out to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right? The far, you're talking about the Fargo Street Fair. The Fargo yeah, Street Fair, yeah, yes. Yeah. The Fargo Street Fair. And initially, we were just like, how are we going to approach people? And the person I was with said, we'll just say, hey, do you know Jesus? <laughs> and try that approach. We tried that a few times. There's, <laughs> there's a couple of you know firm things. But ironically, at, when we reflected at the end of the day, it was actually a Catholic couple that were the most harsh to it. Right? Mm. They're like... Um, yes, we're fine, thank you. Right until we began to explain a little bit more that, hey, we're from Holy Spirit Catholic Church. They're like, what? You're Catholics? Right? It just had been so foreign to them, and our approach yeah. was not great for that. We adjusted through the course <laughs> yeah. of the yeah. afternoon, yeah. which like, is worth noting, actually. Yeah. Right, we just had adjusted. to really adjust and just go. I, my strategy is more conversational. Observe something that you might have in common, right, and then eventually come to the. We're here today to tell people about Jesus Christ, to tell people about the Catholic Church, right, and to offer our prayers. If we share that relationship with Jesus Christ, can we pray for Fargo? Can we pray for our community? So we did some praying with people, with other Christians. We did some praying with other Catholics. We um, talked about Jesus, of course, to various different people and different concerns they might have had in their life and just sort of had to... Like surfing, right? Yeah. Just yeah. had to sort of yeah. adjust continuously, like, okay, this is what's going to happen now. But I did, I found it interesting that we had to adjust the language, and it was because it's so foreign to Catholics mm. to think in those terms. Yeah. 
Not what, all of them, just what, and some. It's fascinating too, because I think it's important worth noting. Because or I have, I've been in conversation with with many Catholics over the years, who maybe maybe they were turned off or just not used to that language that we're referring to, but then a little bit of the other extreme, when you start to speak to, as you said, Stella. Well, then not only did you adjust, but how you, your style is to approach it this way. You didn't use the phrase, but really work in your way to meet that person where they're at. Not that they're below you, but just to find out what do you have in common? Exactly. You know, what might you, even if it's a little bit surfacey, even if it is surfacey uh, or something that comes from an opinion, but it's just fun. Yes. And it's maybe a little bit of that, that the humanness in us that is not bad. You right. Know? It could it just be the simplest thing like, Hey, I like your yellow shirt. Oh, I, if I see someone wearing a Chargers hat, <laughs> I digress, you know, like for NFL or football or the San Diego Chargers, you know, now they're in Los Angeles. It's a fun way to just, hey, I like your hat, you know, and like, oh, I know, you know, and then what do you think about the whole LA San Diego thing, right? Totally surfacey, but all of a sudden you're in and then there's a conversation there. Exactly. One person I was um, visiting with, it was an, a mistaken identity on my part. I saw the person and thought, oh, there's my friend. Right? And I'm like, hey, how are you doing? Well, whoops, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> Again, it became a very, it was really quite humorous because yeah. the conversation then led forward and it was so obviously ordained by the Holy Spirit. My error was what the conversation, that led to this conversation. Very quickly into it, maybe five minutes, she's like, hey, look at us. Now we're besties. Right? <laughs> and then she shared more things about her life. And I was like, actually, I think I can help. I can help, right? And mm. just, I don't yeah. want to say too much more because yep. it is Fargo and there's many conversations that happened, but just in case that, that someone might know the situation, but it's like the Holy Spirit, you make yourself available, you show up and the work is going to happen. Mm. Well, and this is, this is the incarnation. Mm-hmm. You know, God becomes man, totally meets us where we're at. In a phenomenal way. That doesn't begin to describe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, right. Um, so I, I think it's it, there's that other side that it's so important to engage. Like uh, that, it, you know, I've heard some say that incarnational theology. Yeah. Um, but not to water it down or to dumb it down or what often has been referenced to like sometimes uh, whatever the whatever communicate whatever faith that was passed on that we often hear in the 60s and 70s that often suffered or lacked the depth and richness of the truth of the yeah. faith. In preparation for coming here, your watered-down comment brought this to mind. To be here is that I looked in the catechism and they use the phrase road to conversion, which allows this idea of a pathway. and this. But mm. just before that, it says the choice, it isn't watered-down at all. Your choice is life or death. Mm. And that choice comes down to Jesus or not. Right? And those are the only options. Right? We just... In our society, we don't think that, I guess you just say concretely, right? We don't think that it's one or the other. Right? Yeah. Uh, it'll go on then in the catechism to talk about that the choice for death is a choice for hell. Mm-hmm. Right? There's like no squishy room in there at all. Right. Life or death. That's it. It's so interesting. I, just this morning, um, and honestly, I don't remember if it was within like just personal prayer or if my mind was just drifting somewhere. Um, I was thinking about, uh, I, have, I have a sister who's a religious sister, a sister Victoria. She's a cloister Carmelite. And I was surprised to hear her say, even though, you know, the cloister Carmelite, I feel like there's so much she can offer as far as the faith and the richness of the faith. But it just, we're having a conversation and she goes, it just all comes down to Jesus, doesn't it? It just all goes back to Jesus. 
So on that note, we do need to take a break. We'll be back in just a minute. We're with Stella Jeffrey in the Fargo studio talking about conversion. Please stay with us. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio, with a creative gift planning tip. Do you want to make sure Real Presence Radio continues to receive your support in perpetuity? This can now be accomplished by establishing an individual endowment account in your name with a minimum gift of $10,000. A distribution will be made annually in your name to assure future generations will continue to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ through the mission of Real Presence Radio. To learn more about establishing an individual endowment for Real Presence Radio, a gift which will last in perpetuity, Please call me, Mike Kidrowski, at 701-290-4503. State tax credits may apply in some states. Let's get started. Hi, this is Dr. Ryan Sapo with Lumen Vision in Fargo. Lumen Vision offers eye exams for the whole family, contact lenses, glasses, and vision therapy services. Our specialized vision therapy program works to improve how the eyes work together as a team. We work with our patients to improve reading difficulties, lazy eyes, eye turns, and focusing problems, which can be detrimental to performance in the classroom and on the job. You can learn more about our mission at Lumen.Vision. Lumen Vision is a proud sponsor of the Real Presence Radio Network. Choose the number one nursing program in the nation, the University of Mary. Of more than 2,000 nursing programs nationwide, Mary is ranked number one by the National Benchmarking Service Mountain Measurement. 100% of our graduates pass their certification on the first try. And eligible nursing students receive their senior year of tuition free. Choose the best nursing program in the nation. Check us out at umary.edu nursing. That's umary.edu nursing. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. This is Mark Holcraft in the Fargo studio with Brad Gray, and we're talking to Stella Jeffrey, talking about conversion um, and several things involving conversion evangelization. <laughs> yeah. yep. um, there's just an awesome energy in the studio. I love it. Uh, it's so fortifying to be with men and women of faith, uh, just on fire. So thank you for that, you guys. It's so good. Thanks, Peter. Um, Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, one of the things, Stella, you were talking earlier, and um, a phrase that came to my mind, because we're talking conversion, and we're talking how it, to, for it to be grounded in Scripture. Um, you, you made a quick reference to Scripture earlier, and, and I made a reference to you know, Jesus you know, being the founder of the Catholic Church. You know? mm-hmm. But ultimately, it kind of lends itself to this, like, so there needs to be some yielding to an authority. Mm. You know, if, if there's a work of conversion, it's starting from somewhere. Right, yeah, there's a ground exactly. zero. And now you're screaming anti-America, right? right? But submitting to authority, no, freedom, freedom. <laughs> but but let, let's talk about that because that's um, I, need, I don't remember if it was still if it was you or Brad earlier just referenced like so of course the scripture, and it is and on the once it is of course, but we need that like it's of course, and so let's 
let's hearken back to that authority um, in scriptures. And I just, I wanted to toss you that softball, if you will, <laughs> um, because you talked a little bit about St. Paul and conversion. Yeah, I think that in preparation, I knew I was going to be talking about conversion today. And the scripture has many different people. You can pick any person in your, in your prayer time and you might see yourself in their kinds of conversions. Just very quickly, I looked, I'm like, oh, yeah, because we're doing the Gospel of Mark this year. And look at that, right in the beginning. You know, come follow me. And they do it mm-hmm. immediately. I, I don't know what happened before that, that they would just follow someone immediately. Maybe they were tired and it was hot and they thought, great, I could stand for some refreshment. But it, it quickly is known to them that this follow immediately is going to be something. Well, everything that happens in Mark happens immediately. Exactly. Oh, no. immediately. <laughs> I suppose they do. But then you have other, like, other men who take longer. You know, I, yeah. Nicodemus is someone right. who's striking. And Gosh, the, uh, I don't know if you've seen The Chosen. But I have. The treatment that of Nicodemus in The Chosen is absolutely that is priceless. That visual just came to oh, mind. Yeah. Could oh. you see that Jesus... His heart aches for him. Yes, yes. Yeah. Actually, yeah. you're right. I forgot about that oh. scene. But in the, if you just even go, I can see where they would get it. Yeah. But I thought, I just had the thought, I'm like, Nicodemus is a Pharisee. Maybe every time when we read about the Pharisees and the scriptures, we think, I wonder if Nicodemus is around there going, what kind of authority does he have? And mm. some, you know, mm-hmm. who is he to be saying that to us? Mm-hmm. Is he among them? I don't know. He probably is. And at some point, he's following Jesus at night. He's having conversations with Jesus at night. What a great time. That really is prayer. That's, hmm. you know, deepening your relationship. Whatever happens at night right, with Jesus, he ends up being right there with Joseph Arimathea at the cross. Yeah. Somehow he went from fear of the Jews to, hey, Pilate, I know you're the guy who crucified Jesus. I was wondering if I could have Jesus's body. Yeah. Right? yeah. yeah. And oh yeah, and I've spent whatever kind of money to get all of these spices. Yeah. And, and what are the repercussions of those decisions, yeah. right? Oh, right. I don't I don't know. I mean, what happens with but he does it. Yeah. Right? So you have like these two big, and then of course you have Paul, the, that conversion of Paul. Yeah, as that well. would be fast. I wish they actually the apostles dealt with that. What you know, what happens to Nicodemus from the Sanhedrin after he mm. he comes all out as a disciple of Jesus, you know. Yes. You're talking about a man who's now on fire enough to talk to Pilate and right. say, "I want yeah. his body. Yeah. I want the yeah. body of someone who appears to be a criminal, yeah, right? who was paraded through the streets." You know, one of the things that I, strikes me in this particular topic that we're talking about is, and I I mentioned in an earlier segment that we, I just came off this incredible Made for Greatness men's retreat, and, and I was you know surrounded by guys that were just. Some of them were just experiencing Catholicism really for the first time, and others had been uh, lifelong Catholics, deacons in the church, you know, and, uh, you know, 70, 80 years, whatever. Um, And the thing that was so powerful was the realization that every one of us needs conversion. Mm Mm-hmm. Like the Lord God was calling us deeper, calling us further. And you see that with Nicodemus. You see with the, the, the history of Christianity is a history of ongoing continued conversion. It's not enough to just suddenly say, okay, Jesus is my Lord and now I'm good. I mean, you see, you see P, uh, Paul calling out Peter, right? right. After they're going out and, and Peter starts kind of disassociating himself from the Gentiles. And, and Paul's <laughs> account is like, I confronted him because he stood condemned. And this is the Pope, you know? Uh, And so, I mean, it's, I think it's such a a clarion call for every one of us listening right now. It is, but they came out friends on the other side, too. To call someone to a deeper conversion doesn't mean the end of the relationship. Right, because Peter responded. 
Right. right? Exactly. I mean, he responded to this call exactly. to conversion. Uh, and so I think it, it was just, it was such a powerful, poignant testimony to me. Like, there's not a moment that I'm breathing that I don't need conversion. Right, right. I, I was thinking, now you just said the thing about Paul and, and this, this, this fellowship idea, yeah. probably because you were on the retreat. Yeah. Like, so you have Paul. Paul observes the stoning of Stephen. He hears Stephen's preaching mm-hmm. and nothing happens, yeah. right? In fact, he's more determined than ever to go to Damascus and take care of business, so yeah. to speak, right? Encounters Jesus Christ. He clearly has a conversion at that moment, mm-hmm. but he still goes to Ananias, mm-hmm. right? He still goes to another person who he knows is a person, right? And even Ananias, I mean, it's just fun to think about these people in the scriptures like real people. I'm sure Ananias heard about Paul's reputation, and when he comes, he says, brother, brother, really? That's the greeting for the murderer of your friends who followed Jesus Christ? Right. Yeah, he did. And Paul listens to Ananias, and Ananias somehow converted to Christ too and trusted the Lord, like, yep, let a murderer in your house and greet him as brother. Well, even as you said earlier, you know, you were sharing a story of about the Fargo Street event, uh, the Fargo Street Fair, mm-hmm. but you didn't want to say too much because it's Fargo with a little bit of it and nothing. It's Fargo. So said it's a, in a smaller town. People know each other, especially in a Catholic community. Catholics right. know Catholics. The Catholic dot to dot, as a friend of mine likes to say, <laughs> you know, but then going back to, like you said, how St. Paul is greeted by Ananias. It's a small Christian community, right? These are our first Christian community. They're small. They know. They know. They know about St. Paul. They know. You know. Exactly. And there's people probably running ahead and warning like, hey, Paul's coming, hide, right? Who knows what all went yeah. on? I suppose the chosen has thought about this, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can watch to see what their take on yeah. this. But we have our own, the Lord can show us, mm-hmm. right, what happened as well. And even if it's not exactly how it happened, we can imagine the situations happening like that, right? For our own conversion, right? To be led closer to Christ, to understand. And so we can help others. Yeah, and I think, you know, for me, the the example of, of Paul is is a really... Um, I don't know, it's a compelling one in that it's not like Paul went from paganism to Christianity. It's not like Paul was one who did not, he was following with every bit of his being the God that we worship. Right. Right. And, and there was this conversion he was following what he knew was true. That's a, that's Uh, a great analogy is like, you can imagine the best Catholic saying I'm doing everything. And so he, he was open to having his world rocked when he knew it was true because there was a, a whole other layer of understanding mm-hmm. that eluded him. And I think I've experienced that so many times in my life, that I'm following Jesus and I have a certain perspective and all of a sudden he opens things up and, and shows how the way that I'm pursuing him is inadequate. Right, right. Yeah, and the scales fall off, yes, right? absolutely. That, to stay with that. Not to keep going back to the street fair, but I did recognize another Catholic out there, told the person what we were doing. Like, yeah, well, you probably know all this already because he really is someone that's very active in the faith. He goes, well, no, no, just just practice on me, right? <laughs> or something. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay, I'll give you the basic gospel. And I started off, I'm like, do you know that God, our Father, loves you? Mm. I mean, really loves you. And he said, I think I need to be reminded about that. Yep. I was mm. like, wow, okay, so then it was real. It was not just practice. It was just the, and it was, yeah. That anyway. was the culmination of our men's retreat honestly, with the 70 guys that were gathered, is just simply hearing that message again. <laughs> so that's powerful. number one. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. You can never go away from it. No. You know, so I guess I'm kind of wondering here as we come in these last few minutes, uh, I, I'd love this to not be merely an academic conversation, but mm-hmm. like, how do we 
pursue ongoing conversion? Like how do we, for ourselves and then also be agents of conversion for others? I, it, it comes right down to those basic things, right? We have to believe that there is a God who does love us. He is Father. Mm-hmm. Right? We have to believe that He has an answer to our sin, our brokenness, our woundedness. Right? There's no, there's no way around that. And once you have that, that you just say, Lord, show me what needs to be healed. Where do I need to repent? Right? And do those things. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, to tell other people, again, this is very simple. We're, we're calling them saying, your life doesn't need to be like this. Yeah. Right? I can see that you're hurting. Right? I can see that your joy is based in this. Right? But there's a deeper joy that could be there. Just very, very basic things. You don't need a doctorate degree to, lead other, to be converted yourself or to lead other people to conversion. Mm. I think that's really important what you're saying. Because I, and I'm thinking of our brother and sister Catholics, whether they're cradle Catholics or maybe, maybe they are a little more academic, Brad, like you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for many of us, the path to ongoing conversion that we set up, whether it's within our prayer, is to learn more, to mm-hmm. read more about the saints. I love reading about the saints. I love the saints. And to read about the saints, I think, is a great avenue of uh, fostering ongoing conversion. Um, but it's really like, okay, so what, what are the doctrines that the church teaches? And what are those pieces like to know? Like, we often hear how poorly catechized uh, a whole segment of Catholics are. And while that's true, going back to, but we were talking about relationship. Yep. Right. And you're not going to really develop a lot of relationships necessarily in its beginning in that deep academia or uh, right. in those doctrines. And yet, like, and yet saints, it can help. Yeah, it absolutely right. can help. Right. Because I'd say one of my deep conversions for myself of most recent was pausing and saying the Greek prepositions going, I don't want to get into it now, but yeah. it was just so mind shattering, right? That like, no, it's, we are in Christ, not with Christ, but in, and Christ is in us. And I don't know that I would have gotten that except that I was pursuing. It's, an I mean, it's a classic statement by St. Augustine that we believe in order to understand, mm-hmm. we understand the better to believe. So we begin with faith uh, and that moves us toward a hunger to know. And that as we come to know Jesus more, as we come to know what he's revealed more, that deepens our faith, right? Yeah. So, Stella, we've already come to the end here, but it's just been awesome. Uh, Hopefully, this is a great thing for people to take to prayer. Thanks, Brad. Thanks, Mark. We'll be back with more Real Presence Live right after this break. 